I'm Dustin Zahn, and this is Trainwrecks. This week's guest is Ryan Elliott. He's another one of those guys that started off in America, Michigan uh, particularly, and eventually moved over to Berlin, like a lot of us. But his story is a little bit different. Uh, when he started out, he was playing around with friends like Matthew Deere and Seth Troxler, and eventually after he moved to Berlin, he became a resident at the famous Panorama Bar and Berghain here in Berlin. And we're going to hear about that a little bit. Uh, this week is kind of a really big moment for him. He released a CD for the Fabric series. Uh, Fabric is a big club in London, if you are kind of new to the game here. For those who aren't new, you know that it's a pretty big deal. And the interesting thing about him is that he only released a mix CD about a year or two ago. And the the other part of that is that it actually wasn't a CD, he was part of the famous Panorama Bar compilation by Osgood. And uh, shortly after, he, he got the call to do one for Fabric. So when you're called upon two of the biggest forces in dance music to do a mix CD or compilation for them, that's kind of a big fucking deal. And he pulled it off. So on this podcast, we're going to talk to him. We're going to hear about you know, which one was uh, easier to pull off logistically, what the difference is between the two mixes, um, what kind of makes him click as a DJ, and, you know, all the usual stuff we talk to people about on this show. Uh, as you'll get to know, he's a guy that uh, is very passionate about what he does, and, um, yeah, I'm a big fan of him. I can say that, uh, actually, I remember the first moment that I got the, you know, the holy shit moment from, from Ryan was... Probably five years ago, roughly, about when I first moved overseas. Um, you know, I've seen Ryan play in the past in the United States, and it was good, but, you know, he was he was a DJ, nothing more, nothing less. And then uh, I went one night to the club, and I saw that, uh, you know, I had a night off. Marco Carolla was playing upstairs in Panorama Bar. I think it was maybe the first and last time. I'm not sure. Uh, as you can imagine, it was rammed to the gills with people upstairs, and uh, I just couldn't, uh, it, it was just too much for me to be upstairs. So I went downstairs to check out what was going on, and uh, who was playing down there? Ryan Elliott. And, um, you know, as I said, I'd met Ryan a few times before in, in the States and whatnot, and through some friends, and uh, I I kind of just st- stuck around to see what he was about, and I was totally blown away. Um a lot of people that play downstairs in that room really kind of go off on this dark, uh, twisted tangent, and that's not what Ryan does. Um, you know, I mean, he can definitely go in that direction, but he, he definitely went funkier and just played a lot of awesome tracks, and uh, I was blown away by it. And I, you know, I went to see Marco because I hadn't seen Marco in a while, but uh, Ryan really stole the. Stole the moment for that night, and uh, I was a fan ever since. I always enjoy seeing him play, whether it's in, in Panorama or Berghain. And, uh, you know, we've hung out a bit in the past, but I haven't got to talk to him in a while, so it was great to have him over to the place. Uh, anyway, we're going to get into the talk and answer a couple of your questions from the Internet. So uh, enjoy that. And uh, just a reminder, if you do have any questions or topics you want brought up, uh, send them over on the website or, or Facebook or whatever, and maybe we'll get to it. Uh, that's about it. Uh, have a good one.
Anyway, thanks for coming on the show, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so it's uh, kind of a big period right now. You got a new mix CD. Yep. Uh, Fabric, what number was it? Uh, 88. 88, yeah. okay. And you also, the last one you did was for Panorama Bar. That was, was it two years ago? Yeah, now? it's been, uh, in August it'll be two years. It was 2014. Okay. And then, so, uh, I mean, so it's relatively following it quite shortly after. So, uh, you know, how long was the process before, like, getting the the notice that you're open to do it and then actually doing it? The fabric one? Yeah. Uh, it was pretty quick, actually. I found out, um, when was that? Maybe February? And it had to be done, I had to have it done middle of March, which was pretty wow. quick. But... For this one, uh, with the Panorama one, because it was the first time we had done that um, the format, digital, yeah. Yeah. I helped uh, get the okay from on all the tracks from, not all of them, but most of them, yeah. from a lot of the artists. So I that was that was just as much work as the mix. But uh, with the Fabric one, they've got a whole team. That, it was easier this yeah, time around. That stuff. So I had already had, I had ho- I had always, after I did the Panorama one, I had hoped that they would ask me. I didn't know if they would. But sure. So I had kept a folder like in iTunes just of stuff that if I ever did one I would um, put on there or if a big podcast came up or something that way you're just not like all of a sudden you have to think about it, you know what I mean? So I already had some stuff and then I thought through more what I wanted it to sound like and everything, got them the list and they cleared it all pretty quick. Do you have any that you missed out on? Yeah. uh, I mean, you don't have to mention them, but was there a handful or not so much? There wasn't so much. Um, I asked for... I'll, I'll, I asked for three Mills tracks, but apparently he, they told, at least they told me maybe to make me feel good. They said uh, he never really licensed stuff to mixes. Yeah, I mean, when you mention that, I can't think of the last time that he I that think he Dex, I looked. I think it was Dex Effects 909. Wow. That's the last time I saw something on one. So then I didn't feel so bad. You are, um, they had a hard time getting a hold of the guys, I guess. But that was really, I'm trying to think if there were any more. That was about it. Uh, yeah, most of it, they cleared most of it. I think, yeah, they have a good team that does that stuff. Yeah. They, you know, they do. I mean, they do it monthly. And, yeah, so right. this is it's a regular full-time li- job, really, yeah, right? Yeah, it's either Fabric Live or Fabric each month. So it's someone's job. Just They're always clearing that stuff, you know. So, nice. um, yeah, the, the, the Panorama one, I started the process of that like in february i mean it wasn't working every day on it but i knew in january february i would do it so that process lasted all the way until it was done in august and that might have been i'm very very proud of that mix but i almost went insane by the end of it the you P-bar know one or the fabric one the p-bar one okay. i'm saying it took so many months oh, just yeah. to, to help clear stuff to think about things um we had to think about uh, what what the thing would look like, you know? Would there be sort of a a poster for it or C- C- CD insert? Sure. They they had always just done one um, vinyl exclusive, and I thought, well, since we don't have a CD anymore, let's do. And I had a bunch of good stuff. Mm-hmm. Let's do two records. Mm, should we do that? Yeah, no. So we had to like roll all that stuff over me and the label manager Yenis, and then how would it look up on the um, the Oscott website? Do you use SoundCloud? Everything. We had to think yeah, it up, you know? It's a completely brand new right. format. And, well, yeah. not format, but right. the way you approach it, yeah. you know? So when when that was done and it was well-received and I was really proud of it, the 12s and the mix, 
felt like I had checked that box, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and so when Fabric asked, I thought, okay, yeah, there's already a process in place. They've got a team. So, and it happened. Really, I could have used a few more weeks. I mean, it, it, I'm proud of it now and it, it seems to be doing well. But at that time, I think I, at least I thought I could have used a few more weeks on it, but I didn't need too much more time than a few more months or a few, a few months from that yeah. February to finish it in March. It was, uh, it was a lot quicker. Um, still the, I don't know about you, but I, I drive myself insane with mixes. Like it's just like they ne- when you first do it, it's like, uh, man, you, even with podcasts, yeah, you know, like I haven't, I haven't done a mix CD. I uh, don't know that I will, but, um, like the first five tracks or something like that. Like, how do you kick it off? Uh, even like when I go every weekend, when I go start for DJ sets, like I still starting a DJ set for me is like one of the hardest things I know it. to do to this day. I know. Cause it's like, do you just like bang it right out of the gate? Or but if, you, if, you, if it's too deep, then people are like, oh, screw this guy. I'm going to the bar in the room. Yeah, yeah I know. You I know? know? <laughs> so, um, I mean, it's, it's really tough. And then like some intro is like, are either like too artsy for home or some are a little too intense. Like it's, it's a pain in the ass. Now imagine for you, you got to do a mix CD. So it'll be, it's a big commitment. There's people's, their jobs aren't on the line, but like it's a yeah. business. So like, it's not just, well, if you screw up one night, you, you can forget right. about it. Like this is a part of history now. Yeah. And you know, ultimately it represents who you are and the future of your career. So yeah, I can imagine it being crazy with, it wasn't I didn't have to roll around what I wanted to do too much in my head because with the panorama one I started it with a big intro without a beatless intro and uh the whole mix kind of went through it changed bpms and uh went through it's mainly house but it went through you know a little bit of techno dub so I I knew already with this one I was going to start it just boom exactly. it was going to be at 129 from start to end and it was going to be mainly a techno mix. So I already, I could see it in my head. It was mm-hmm. just getting it out on the. Yeah, I noticed uh, that. And I, I definitely have some questions <laughs> like, like comparing the two. Um, but I don't want to get too far ahead of myself because yeah. there's some people, as we were saying before the show, some know who you are, some don't. Right. So we'll, we'll fill people back. in. Let's take them back. And then yeah. we'll, we'll catch up with the CDs. Right. Sounds good. But you're, you're from, well, is it actually Detroit or Ann Arbor? No, I'm from Carleton, which is about okay. 30 miles south west of detroit it's actually right between detroit and toledo mm-hmm. on the on 75 the highway that goes through it okay so even, i did not grow up in the city I, I always just say i'm from detroit because if i said i'm from carlton michigan yeah, they'd be like, no, what? They, they would yeah you, you have to yeah but but what i did have even as a kid was detroit tv mm-hmm. which had new dance show and all that stuff sure and also detroit radio which was huge influence on me at that time um, and and still is actually when I go home. So all the media that was were you still getting some of the Mojo stuff at that time, or no, was that already was, over? Yeah, that was over. I but can't remember when that ended. Even I don't either. Yeah. Or maybe it was on when I was little, but, but I would have yeah. never found it. But we had a few really good shows on NPR. We had um, even still the hip hop stations. They do like a drive at five hot mix where they actually DJ on the radio, and you really don't get that. I guess more in the U.S. than in Europe. But every day at five, like. It's a it's a hot mix, you know. Yeah, we got that at noon, I think, in in Minneapolis. Yeah, right. Power hour, power, all right? Like all the old school breaks, the Sugar Hill Gang and shit. And yeah. it's, it's awesome. Yeah, you know? but uh, so that really influenced me. Um, 
I've never claimed to like grow up on Cass Corridor. You know, I didn't. I grew up in a nice little town, a nice family. But we did have all the media that would come out of Detroit because that yeah. was before. I mean, I'm t- I'm 40, so when I was growing up, it was just I'm dating myself. Like you know, you only had those couple dials on the on the TV, and you had the knobs on the the the. Um, FM AM frequency on the radio. Yeah. That's what you had. You didn't have any iTunes. You didn't have cable. Maybe it was there. We didn't have cable at that time. So we had those couple stations. Yeah. And I mean, um, you know, even you were how far out from Detroit, would you say? 30 miles. So, I mean, there's probably, whether it's TV or radio, there's not a whole hell of a lot you can get that far out without getting into like a cable service. I mean, radio, you're limited by the towers so right we we got most of we got toledo and detroit because we were right in the middle okay and we got the big stations okay we got the, we always got npr or like um 97.9 was the big hip-hop station mm-hmm. um and we got all the 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 um we got all the tv stations sure. from Detroit too. so um i mean basically from what i recall whether i was talking to you and friends or from interviews is like it kind of all started to come together a bit more in, in college, and you met up with Matt Deer and, and people like that, right? I was actually out of college. I was a late bloomer as far as DJs go. Okay. <laughs> I, uh, I went away. I went to Western U- Michigan University in Kalamazoo. Um, and, yeah, then I graduated, came home, and I started working at Ford in the auto industry. Mm-hmm. And uh, and that was like a, it's a it, – that's a good, t- you know, I I was young for graduating high school and I was pretty young for graduating college. So I started working at Ford when I was 22. I just turned 22. Mm-hmm. So that's a time when you still have youthful energy. And I had a nice job, so I had money to go out. So that's when I discovered like motor, mm-hmm. Club Motor, you know, our big club then. And really got into, wow, what's that guy doing behind the- I had, we had, I had no, me and my friends knew zero DJs. Yeah. And I think that's actually, in the long run, it was better because I just stood at the mm-hmm. decks, you know, and figured it out. And um, so then I uh, I was working, but I one of my friends from high school was, was working as a waiter in, in Ann Arbor. And he, uh, he knew the owner of this Italian restaurant, but in the basement, they had a cigar slash slash jazz slash cocktail lounge which sounds horrible but it actually looked all right it was pretty basic just nice mm-hmm. wood and this guy that ran the bar or the the manager that ran the restaurant and bar wanted to do an quote unquote electronic night mm-hmm. on tuesdays so my friend asked me to give him a i guess it was cd then i don't think it was still tape cd he gave it to the manager manager liked it so i did one night but this this is bear in mind. I had to go to work at eight a.m. on Wednesday every morning, and uh, I lived in Dearborn at that time, which is where Ford is. So it was about a forty minute drive, and they had a nice sound system actually because they had jazz every other night. Yeah. But I had to bring the turntables, one little original CDJ. It wasn't even called a CDJ; I had a, a pioneer. It was a the CD that, player, basically yeah, the one that the top popped yeah. up. That. Um, records. We had to bring everything except the sound system. So I yeah. put that in my car every Tuesday night and drive out there. And on the first night I did it, um, Matt Matthew Deere was still in at University of Michigan then, 
uh, with Sam Valenti and that their whole crew. And they came in because I think the first night they gave away free martinis or something. <laughs> I think I remember them telling me that because it was a new night, so we had to get people through the door. So they somewhere in Ann Arbor, they saw they must have probably went. I'm sure they flyered on the campus, right? Um, so Nothing I, screams electronic music like martinis, right? right? <laughs> free drink, free drinks will get anybody anywhere. So they came in, and uh, they came in, and they were all really nice. And Matt came up and was like. And I I knew I I didn't I wasn't completely familiar with everything he had done, but I knew who he was at that mm-hmm. point. I had a few ghostly records, and he came up and introduced himself and said, "Yeah, I, I play a lot of the same kind of music." And uh, I don't know if he asked me to play the next. I can't remember if I invited him to play with me the next week or he invited himself. It did, it doesn't matter. He, yeah. he he came and played with me, and it went really good. And and it was it was long. It was from nine to two every Tuesday mm-hmm. and I thought man I need somebody I, I had already thought like driving out the first night I need some you know that's a long time one, every week oh yeah and go to work on Wednesday morning at 8 in the morning and it's not like it's a rand club you know no. it can be very dead yeah. especially at the yeah, start right. so so he, he the first night he came and, and we hit it off musically and as friends he's still one of my best friends and I think we'd still DJ together really well so it was our night together mm-hmm and then we did that for, I don't know, four or five years. Uh, at the beginning, it would be both of us every Tuesday, but then that it started to be his Audion or Jabberjaw or whatever mm-hmm. was really kicking off, and he was coming to Europe more and more. So sometimes it was just me, but then I would invite Tab Mullenix or Todd Osborne, Carlos Safran. I don't know if we ever had Savito. Seth Troxler played his first DJ gig ever there oh, really? for me. Yeah, I asked him to play. Uh, so a lot of the, like, let's say the lower Michigan. Crew, yeah. You know? Yeah. Or if there were people that were still in town from the weekend before, I think we had Terry Mullen one night. You remember Terry Mullen? Oh yeah, of course. So there, I would always invite, it wasn't, it usually just wasn't me. Yeah. Sam Valenti from Ghostly, who's an amazing, amazing DJ. Is he? I've, I've yeah, never seen him he, DJ. He doesn't but... like to do it so much, especially now I don't think. But he's such a good DJ. He would play with me sometimes. What kind of stuff was he playing? He'd play a lot of hip hop, but I'd make oh, him. Okay. I'd make him bring some house and techno. Nice. Uh, yeah, it was a lot of fun. A lot, a lot of fun. And then it, towards the end, it was. Uh, I was leaving more on the weekends, and I was still working. Yeah. It just it it became um, not less and less fun, but I was just getting more and more tired on Wednesday mornings. So. Um, Jacob Alexander from Ghostly, he would play with me a lot too and Matt wasn't there and he still lived in Ann Arbor and it wasn't so hard for him to, to uh, it, he didn't have to make the drive, I don't think sure. he worked in it. So he took it over after me and Matt did it. Gotcha. So and then basically Ann Arbor was kind of the start where you're kind of figuring things out a bit or at least refining it. I noticed like, uh, I think one of the first times I saw you, I think... Uh, you you did play Minneapolis, right? Or I, I think did one, yeah. but was one time like you didn't like the there was yeah, a flight I, mix up or yeah, something. Yeah, I, I played for John Hester exactly. the first time. I I made it. Uh, I played in the basement of somewhere, Dinky Towner. That was yeah, kind of that's legendary it. That's venue it. back then. Played there, and then he he invited me to come back, and I had to connect through Chicago for some reason. I mean, that was when Northwest was like a hub, and they always were sending people through Chicago. Yeah, though, and, and it was a huge snowstorm, and I got stuck. I'd stay in Chicago. I went and hung out with um, 
Kate Simcoe and her husband. I remember that, nice. but I couldn't go. All the can- the flights were canceled. Yeah, so that that was the first time I saw you, and then uh, what was that? Maybe two thousand six, like ten years ago. Yeah, actually, no. I, you know, I also saw you. I saw like a big uh, tag team thing at uh, at Yale two. Maybe it was where it was like you and Matt and maybe Seth. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, we did that there. Yeah, in the basement in the yeah. shelter. Uh huh. And then, um, but then the next time I ended up seeing you was, uh, I don't know, three four years later at Burkheim. Uh-huh. And uh, I mean, real quickly, did you just like get an opportunity to play there, and then you ended up just kind of quickly getting rolled in? Or I, uh, I remember uh, back then, uh, Matt had his. Um, his European bookings went, that's when he was doing stuff with Minus. So it went through Klonk and his yep. agent, Katrin. Um, when I would come to Europe, she would kind of help with, a, she would basically, she had took pity on me and would help. Cause a lot of it would be with Matt anyway. So she yeah. would help with mine. And somehow I think ND from, from Berkheim maybe knew I was coming for something. And he asked me to play in Panorama Bar in, 2007 I think it was and it was one of my uh, I still feel bad about it but he understands it was one of my best friend's weddings that that weekend Mm -hmm. and I kind of felt like this is going to be something big you you can make it up to him somehow by missing his wedding so I missed the wedding and played in in Panorama and that's still one of my favorite sets I ever played I don't know if it was just because I was so flashed by the place Mm-hmm. I think I did play really well, but I was just so blown blown away by the place. And at that time, I already knew uh, Ben and Marcel pretty well because I was doing A&R for Spectral at that time, yeah. and they did a remix. For, the only the Clark only, and Detman yeah, remix. The yeah. only one for Pargrenvik. So I knew them already through that, and then just we kind of had a, a friendship going after the remix thing. So I, I already knew some of the people at the club, some of the residents, and the set went really good, so they asked me to come back that same year. That was in July or August. They asked me to come back in December to play um, to play the birthday party just before New Year's. Sure. So came back and played in Bergheim that time. And yeah, from there I would come once, twice a year while I still lived in uh, while I still lived in the U.S. And then when I moved, um, I played there even more regularly and. So you moved before you became a resident officially? Uh Okay. Yeah, I did. I was playing there pretty regularly, Uh and I kind of, they never said anything because they wouldn't, but I kind of thought if I moved, I would play more regularly. Mm -hmm. And then um, I had to switch agencies. I had to to find a, a solid agency in Europe, and so you don't get sometimes if you don't ask. So I asked if, I thought, what are not? they going to say? No. Exactly. I mean, all they can, not, not what are they going to say? All they can say is no, right? Why not ask? So I asked, they had me come in for a meeting and yeah, that was it. You know, that that's what I'd saw a lot of people. It's not even just about the music business and it, it's actually kind of something that my dad told me a long time yeah. ago. He's like, well, you don't get what you don't ask for. Yeah. And uh, you don't have to be a, an asshole when you ask something. You can just say you're asking because you care about something and 
If no, okay. But I just yeah. thought I'd let let you know how I felt. Yeah. About it. Of course, there's there's definitely ways to do things. Like <laughs> a lot of the times, a lot of questions. Because I always tell people send in questions or things they want to hear about on the show. A lot of people are like guys that are kind of trying to get their start. Well, mm-hmm. how do I get a booking? How do I get on a label? And they're like, Does, is it even worth asking? I'm like, of course of it's course worth it asking. But uh, how you ask can determine everything. Yep. There's guys that you've met them a million times. They rock up to at the bar and they wedge up to and they're like, come on, man. Let me do, you know. And then you got the guys that are like, if there's ever an opportunity, I don't care if it's opening. I'd love to do it. And yeah, at that point, it's like the worst that you can hear is no. The best you could hear is yes. You know, and if, if I were a younger DJ that wanted to get a booking somewhere, I would make sure I knew the kind of people they booked. Mm-hmm. I would make sure I had a good mix for them, and just simply at, simply ask in an email. Try to get somebody's email. Don't bother somebody in a club. Mm-hmm. You know, just send a nice professional email. And at the at the worst, they're gonna they'll say no, but you'll kind of be on their radar because they answered your email. If you just walk up and blabber something drunk in someone's ear at a club mm-hmm. in the dark, you're not going to be on anybody's radar the next day. They're not even going to, people aren't going to remember. Yeah. You know, and I, I think also, I mean, this is like maybe more my personal preference, but it's like, cause even doing promotion back in, in Minneapolis and stuff like that, people would come up and they'd like, try and tell you how badly that they're so awesome about stuff and it's like it, that's that's not really convincing but like there's guys that would kind of hang out for a while or girls you know both and then like you kind of find out they're a dj and they're like oh yeah you know i'm into so and so like these records and you kind of figure out what they're about you're like okay i get a feeling for this guy or girl right. or whoever and then you kind of give them a shot at it not just some guy that's like you know, like, yeah, I know I play hard banging shit, but trust me, I can play like a sunshine set. Trust me. I'm like, well, but I can play a hard banging sunshine set. <laughs> you know, just like, um, all right, let's talk later. You know right. what I mean? So, yeah, but it doesn't hurt to ask. Yeah, exactly. You know, so, but, uh, yeah, so I guess that's kind of a quick and simple history lesson quick for and you. Dirty, you know? yeah. Came over from the States and now you're, you're traveling nonstop. I mean, you're, you're definitely one of the, uh, busiest people i think at the moment as far as like doing gigs but you're not i mean it's you still kind of keep it low profile like yeah. a lot of people do a million pictures and these big tour announcements and uh yeah, but, I mean, I you average what 10 12 gigs a month yeah 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 how how is are you keeping up with that or is it yeah getting... no uh actually um yeah i am because i don't do a lot of trips where I stay in a hotel for a week in between, mm-hmm. that kills me. I've I never al- do that. Anymore. I've always been the kind of person. I need my own bed during the week. I need. I don't know. I just can't live out of a hotel. So even I do I have ten, twelve. I think July and August have thirteen, fourteen, something like that. It's a lot, but it's usually for the most part. It's usually. Europe. I mean, maybe I go to South America once a year. I haven't been to Japan in a few years. Me I went either. to I went to Australia uh, just before I had to do the Fabric Max, and uh, the U.S. a few times, as much to see my parents as it is to play. Sure. But it's mainly here. Maybe it's uh, Spain, Italy, and the U.K. Yeah. So I'm back usually Sunday, Sunday night, maybe Monday, Monday night. Um. 
So it's not so bad. And and to be honest, I think when you talk when you when you mention the, all the pictures and tour announcements and stuff, we're so inundated with DJs uh showing us how awesome they are at a club and stuff. If there's a really once in a while like this past weekend, I had I had uh three really good shows, but to school on Saturday was one of those ones where you're just like that Tiger Woods gif, you know, where yeah. he's clenching his fist and you're just like, yes. Fuck yeah. So I posted something, but if... And that's the way it should be, though, yeah. like when it really stands out yeah. among the heap, you know? Yeah. And, um, but, and that's the new venue from the trial guys in Amsterdam, right? Oh my, For those yeah. who are listening? Yep. It, yeah, sorry. Yeah. How is it compared to trial, or is it just different? It's different. Trial was um, kind of high ceilings. The main floor was above ground. You know, it's like on the on the ground floor. Mm-hmm. Uh, a little bit more people were dancing up above above you, behind a little bit more lights. And the new one to school is it's an old school is how it gets, mm-hmm. got the name. Like um, technical school for kids. I think they said like middle. I don't know middle school. What's that here? Uh, Twelve to sixteen. I don't know. I Most don't people know. are English listeners right. anyway. Yeah, yeah, like, so like middle school in America. Yeah. And. Uh, so the upstairs is really cool. It's got um they have a gym. I don't know how many, I don't know how many people use the gym, but uh a restaurant, a really big lobby and it's all um the the ceiling's all glass. It sits back off the off the road all surrounded by trees. It's very green in that area. And downstairs is just low ceilings, pretty big room. I think if it was packed it'd hold about 15, 1,600 people. Okay, if, so that's a was, big room. If it was yeah. packed, dark, dark as hell. Like really? super dark. Interesting. Once in a while, they'll, you know, do a couple light blasts. And it's got, they just, they basically took the booth from Trow, put it there. And I think it has the system from Trow. Just a great club. And just simple. Like the formula is so simple. How come more club owners can't get this right? Like few lights, great sound. Yeah. And, a bo- and a booth that a DJ feels comfortable in. That's it. That's all you need. I've been thinking about that a lot lately. And, you know, like the same, you know, five clubs that pop up, uh, the names of the clubs that pop the up on the show simple. all the time. They're the most simple. But at the same time, you know, with all the people that everything that's written about them in magazines and the theories of how to get into the club or how to get booked and all this, what really surprises me, or actually what's more, it's sad more than anything, is it's not so much it's that outside of all of this and even people that have been there, there isn't a whole lot of people that have actually taken that and brought it to their own town or club, like the the ground concepts. They think like, oh, well, all the Berlin clubs are made out of concrete and it's dark and you can like have these dark areas to do whatever you want. And they think that's what makes a club. And it's like you're looking at the surface level of the water. You know what I'm saying? And... um. So, you know, when, when some of these places start disappearing, like it's Berghain or whatever club you want to name or like Trial Close or whatever, which was a big institution, like it's disappointing that a lot of people didn't take away the really crucial right. ideas that are what make these clubs great right. or successful, you know, and um, it's, it's, I mean, there's plenty of great clubs out there yeah. that have their own yeah. thing and they don't get enough recognition, right. you know what I mean? But yeah, it's it's definitely something I thought about a lot lately because yeah. you hear about rumors of closings here and there and whatnot, and you know. Yeah. But 
So, um, yeah, getting back to or you know, you've been touring a lot. Um, the thing is, is you're you're definitely more known as a DJ than a producer. Absolutely, um, you do have productions out. I, do. um, I don't know how many singles, like maybe a handful, yeah. or sh- roughly, yeah, and a little bit more in the remix department, right? But I mean, it's it's kept to a minimal amount. I don't know if that's by design or you're just a slow writer. But both, um, both, <laughs> but uh, because of because I'm a slow rider, it's by design. How's that? There you go. <laughs> One feeds the other. <laughs> but um, you know, before we turn the mics on, you're telling me you kind of moved and you got a, a studio now. Do you see yourself kicking up the productions at all? Yeah, I do uh, because I don't think um, with with the two mixes now. Who knows if I'll do another one? But I think I've proven my uh i've i've given my story with with mixes now there's one basically sure. house one basically techno and um i all i think uh it's it's time to for me to do um some more original material i go through phases where um i know some people like you you're consistent and you're you're always making music and that's something i envy but sometimes i uh i get these waves of um Wanting to do it or not, you know, and I, I, th- I think we all have that. Yeah, but. yeah, but and and it's not like production isn't like uh, isn't like running a 10k. If you don't want to, at least for me, if if I'm not in the mood, I could sit there all day, and it's just going to get worse and more worse sure. and worse to sis and more worser. Yeah, it's totally true, you know. So a lot of it is, um, and I'm also the kind of person that. Uh, in in order for me to somebody said some author said like in order for him to write all his uh fields had to be plowed and everything i'm that way with me. like in order for me to sit down and really make good music my laundry has to be done i my flat has to be clean all the excuses yeah, got to be yeah <laughs> all all my ducks have to be in a row it's just i've always been that way with making music djing's different um you could shoot me out of a cannon with a blindfold on. I could pop in a place, and usually I can, yeah. whether I feel like it or not. After a few songs, I can get there. See, I'm I'm the opposite in the production point because <laughs> yeah. you say like you just put it off and put it off me. Like when there's when I should absolutely not be making music. That's a time where I'm like, ooh, I'm fired up. I got a fucking <laughs> idea. You know what I mean? Like the taxes are due by 4 p.m. Oh got yeah, right. Laundry that's yeah. sitting out there, okay. you know, all the shit. Yeah, I'm so just like, ups. well, I'll get to that later. It's a, uh, you know, and then I get emails about why my priorities are out of whack. You know what I mean? But so uh, exactly but with DJing, I, I'm the same way. However, I will say, and I've been talking to friends about this lately. Uh, I don't know what it is with like my whatever you want to call it, biological clock or something. Like Tuesday or Wednesday, I'm in the mood. I'm like, fuck, man. I want to play tonight. I'm ready. <laughs> and then Friday comes. Friday comes. Like, I'm like, I don't uh, want to get on the plane. I don't want to do shit. I just want to like watch Netflix or play a game or something. Like I have zero interest in going out at all. Uh, but like Tuesday, Wednesday, I'm just like Jones in, you know, like, cause I get some new music in the mail yeah, or whatever. You yeah. go to the record shop and I'm into it. You need to but switch your Friday, schedule around. Yeah. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Only Tuesday, Wednesday night parties. Exactly. <laughs> but who knows, you know, maybe, maybe, uh, That'll become a reality in the future. 
I mean, like rock concerts. They, yeah, uh, I know. They're you know, of and course, weekends dates are more successful, yeah. but and especially in the summer, um, there's more and more good people are understanding Sunday clubbing more now. I think. Oh yeah, like people are understanding. Ah, actually, I could go have a few drinks during the daytime on a Sunday. Like I think in New York they do them at. Uh, Oh my god, I'm drawing a blank. What's the big club in New York? The good one in Brooklyn. Output. Output. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm doing I'll, the a Sunday night there. In, yeah, at, at the end so, of July, I think. I think people they're, I think people have gotten it here a lot, lot longer, but in the U.S. or I don't know where else they do Sunday parties. Italy, people understand that it doesn't throw your rhythm as far out of whack if you go out on a Sunday during the day and you get to bed maybe. 12 close, or 1. Yeah, close, close-ish to the same time yeah. you would normally well, instead of staying out all night. Here's um, what it is for a lot of people. Friday, you get off of work, you're tired. If you're in a relationship, you're like, screw it. Let's get some dinner. Right. Let's just pass out on the couch right. or whatever. Saturday, you got things to do because you work all week right. or it's a beautiful day out or something. Yep. And you so then, a million Yeah, hands. and you, you, don't, you feel like, well, I, now I'm already kind of tired and I just wish I didn't have to go out tonight. So Sunday, you're kind of in the mood to go out a bit. Right. Like, it, it's crazy for me because um, I'm one of those people that would prefer to go out on Sundays despite playing Friday and Saturday. But I'm like, well, now I'm actually in the mood to have a couple drinks or go out. Or, me too. You know what I mean? Yep. I like to and, come home and sometimes go out on Sundays if I've got any gas left in the tank. Totally. And 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 the other part of it is is that, um, you know, it. I feel like because it's a Sunday, there isn't this notion that uh, you have to deliver to people not as a dj but just going out as a, as right. a person like yeah. i don't have to be like woo it's saturday party mode you're just right. like hey i'm relaxed if if it gets a little wild that's great if not like i'm just having some drinks and i'm going home yep. you know or whatever or having a dance or you know yeah and uh i mean i you know in minneapolis before i moved here i, I did this uh open air rooftop party every sunday under the sun and that was kind of the same thing like i used to joke like let's crank it up to seven you know what i'm saying like <laughs> that's a, a good, nice uh that's a good way to put it yeah and uh so i agree with you it's definitely sunday parties are becoming more of a common occurrence yeah and, yeah i'm cool with it so maybe even 10 years your monday tuesday parties will maybe <laughs> by that point though i I mean, I, I, you know what? In 10 years, I don't want to say, like, I don't want to be one of those guys that's not going out because it's still quite early, but uh, I hope it's not a, uh, like, a, a priority. Let's yeah. put it that way. You right. know what I'm saying? Right. But uh, actually, I got a couple more talking points I want to go through, but I need to refill my drink one second here. All right. Uh, As I was getting to before, before we kind of got we drifted off into That's whatever right. territory yeah. uh you know you're primarily known as a dj um let's talk about record digging uh-huh. um you know it's obvious that you if if you pay attention to your charts or the new mix cds you've done um and let's also mention that there's a free mix fabric mix right there's on soundcloud a, there's a, yeah there's a 30 minute one so if uh on my soundcloud page you can uh, you can listen to, you can download it. I'll throw up the uh, the streaming little widget thing on on the Trainwreck website too, if you're curious. But um, yeah, so it's obvious that you are definitely a record digger, and you 
spend a lot of time or if you don't you make it seem as if such I do. yeah I, i'm not smart enough to not spend a lot of time on it yeah I've, i haven't owned my process yet i just have to spend the time yeah and uh so basically uh you know there's a lot of guys that are playing just as much or playing the same gigs that kind of only check the promo box or they uh the only kind of rely on big tracks coming in from big producers. And you're not one of those people. I mean, you're not above that by any means, I can see. But uh, you're always searching, whether it's old classic Detroit huh. stuff or, like, the newest shit. Um, and it shows, you know what I mean? Because there's a lot of, when you, when you check out your charts, your sets, there's a lot of, like, credibility and taste behind it rather than just a very... Um, let's say like predictable predictable yeah, yeah right. like uh there's a time stamp on this where right. it expired, you know? <laughs> right and, you know like i never really un- like i understand like being a dj that has like the newest shit in the sense that it's like it's exciting that you don't know what you're gonna hear next but when people make that their um the priority the priority yeah. it's kind of like well it almost kind of the, the gimmick screams in a way that, like, well, I don't really know what else I have to offer in a way. And, uh, I mean, that's not the case for everybody that does that. No, but a lot of the right. time, sadly, that is. But, uh, yeah. I'm, so, I, is that kind of, like, a conscious stance? Or are you just addicted to... Uh, I w- yeah, well, uh, yeah, you had to both know. Um, I love record shopping. I, me too. I live for it. I really do, like... I get up during the week. Actually, I probably it's it's like a still a habit I have from from working ten years in an office. But I still get up. Well, the older I get, the earlier I get up. I turn it into my dad. Uh-huh. I still get up real, not Monday, but like Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. I get up pretty early, and my favorite thing to do before before um, before I even check my email because you know that derails everything. But get up. Make a big coffee and either go on decks or discogs or hard wax. Yeah. Or, you know, and just, just listen, just dig around. See what's going on. See what's going on, you know. There's nothing better than finding one. It doesn't have to be, I don't, I never care if it's something other people are playing, really. I've never been that guy that would take the label off my record so people don't know what it is. If someone asks me what something is, I always tell them. Yeah, you know, the the one thing I'm realizing more and more throughout these days is how much, or how, I guess I should say how little DJs want to talk about music. Yeah. They're so protective. I, wanna, like you I said, want people to... If, I want to share. Yeah, because if, if, if I'm playing it in my set, I'm excited about it. Mm-hmm. And if someone comes up and they're mutually excited, I don't care if they find it and buy it. Yeah. I don't, I don't care because probably by the time they find it and get it, I'll be... I'll be playing, playing something, something else. else. Yeah. And then I'll go back to that some other time. Yeah. That's never bothered me. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I still get, I still always check promos. Um, but somehow it means more to me if, if I found something and maybe I, I've, uh, I'm kind of a freak about encoding records. If Same I, here, if, man. If I got a pull process. Yeah, me too. If I, uh, if I've ripped it myself, it goes in that encode folder. And it just means so much to me. It means so much more if, than getting a promo. I think um, some of my favorite labels, they don't do the big. Maybe they give it. Maybe I get it from them, but it's more of a personal thing. They don't it's do. True. They don't do this big promo mail out. And if I ever started a label, it, 
I well, maybe I shoot myself in the foot now. I don't think I would do a a big, big, big promo thing. It would be kind of more handpicked because when people find stuff, I think it means more to them if they found it on their own. Yeah. Then it's just another thing they have to deal with in their inbox. Yeah. That's well. I mean, I think uh, that. Yeah, that's that's a whole uh, episode in its own. But I think what it comes down to is. Whatever you do in life, the, when you have to put in a little bit of F, is it good? It's very good. Actually. Wow, nice, good to know. Uh, whatever, whatever work you put in, um, you you tend to appreciate something more. Yeah, if it's just right. like handed to you. Right. Granted, uh, free food's always much tastier yeah. when it's free. Right. But you know, generally speaking. Generally speaking. And um, I no, I tend to agree with you, and especially the point about like you know a lot of DJs will hoard stuff. Like, listen, I got some secret weapons, and there's some that like. I'll tell him, but I'm not going to like widely be like, oh, this is uh, – because yeah. you want to have something. Yeah, right. But for the most part, if somebody's like, what's this at the club? Uh, you know, There's been times where I went up to DJs and asked them, like, oh, uh, uh, I don't I remember. Always... And I'm like, you don't fucking remember? It was two minutes right. ago. Like either A, you're an asshole, or B, you're really fucked up right now. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I'm just – you know, like here's the deal. I – put in a lot of work for record shopping. So yeah, if someone takes my secret weapon and of course like everybody starts playing it, I'll just find it another right. one. You That's know? the way I feel. That's too. not my track to hoard. Right. You know what I mean? If I yeah. need a track to hoard, I'll make my own. Right. You know? And yeah. And with me it work the the street goes both ways. I I'll, I'll always tell someone and I'm shameless about asking too. If something like really blows my hair back, I will not hesitate to ask somebody what it is. Yeah, I mean, I, I I don't think I don't see what the big deal is. Yeah, Half, like I, you know, I mean, you were like you said, you're playing in Ann Arbor with friends. For a lot of us, it was like hanging out in bedrooms. Like, yeah, everybody would sit in someone's bedroom, whoever could afford the turntables, right. and like you play for eight hours a day. Uh, there'd be like five kids. You're all doing two or three records each, and you're like, dude, what the hell is that? Or or else there's one guy that pop on and be like, oh shit, I don't need to hear his records right now. It goes both ways, <laughs> right? But, uh, you know, and you share music. Yeah. And when, when you're starting off, that's what you develop taste. You're like, oh, now I like house or oh, I still like drum and bass or whatever. These days it's like, oh, well, you know, I'm into stuff. Uh, it's yeah. cool, you know. <laughs> and it's, it's, it's kind of annoying. But, yeah. um, so, but um, as a DJ, which is proven in your sets and definitely in both mixed CDs, you, you said – Panorama Bar CD is very house driven because uh-huh. granted it's Panorama Bar and right. Fabric's much more tougher. It's, yeah. it's not like a, a hard techno mix by any means, no, but it's, I, it's, I, it's chunky. Yeah, I don't play hard techno. No, I can't even if I wanted to. I, I, people wouldn't believe me when I played it. You know what I mean? That's the thing. Like, there's a lot of stuff that I like too. And if I if I've tried to play to people like, on, come on, dude, yeah. that's cool. But that's that's not you, right? You know, and I I kind of have to agree. But um, so you you ride this very fine line of house and techno uh i think it's safe to say that wherever you're playing whatever kind of set it's going to be is on a case-by-case basis but like what are what are the factors that determine whether it's going to be a groovier night or a more pumping sort of night well a lot of times you're just booked for a certain kind of party and you know that you look at their path i'm always if i haven't played something i'm um Turn into a little detective online. I, I want. I want to see pictures of the room. Yeah, you know. I want to know who their past guests have been. And uh, you see, you can't. A lot of times, you know what you're what you're getting into. Sure. Sometimes they they tell you do whatever you want, and then I just um, 
It's more of an energy. I never think about it really house or techno. It's more of like an energy thing or a vibe thing. Okay. You know what I mean? Like maybe maybe the room needs a breather right now. So you play maybe I feel some, you. some cordy house thing. Whatever is or, within that restraint. Right. Or maybe you could take it a little tougher. I never think like, okay, this, this 15 minutes is going to be um, deep techno. And then, the, you know, I, I'm just, I've maybe. You just you feel know, the room out. Yeah, I just feel the room yeah. out. So a lot of times I already know what I'm getting into, but um, sometimes it's just however I, however I feel. Sure. I like, I, people always ask me which room I like better, which room it, um, do I like better Burkheim or Panorama Bar? It changed, honestly, I, I can't pick one. It changes all the time. I think it's I It's like, do you like pizza or cheeseburgers? Yeah, right. You know exactly. what I mean? Like, they they have their moments. Yeah, <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, I, I can't pick. And uh, I like playing both. I think if I had to stick to playing one... Um, one or the other, I'd get bored a lot easier. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I'm I'm the same way. Like, I think definitely every DJ, whether they're a diverse DJ or not, has these kind of, let's say, modes or eras yeah. where they're kind of stuck in a thing for a minute. And, uh, you know, that's going to change as, as time goes on. But uh, so basically what you're getting at is you kind of you do a lot of research for the parties and whatnot. Yeah. You know, honestly, I do that a lot, too. Like, for example, if um, let's say I'm going to go to Tel Aviv for Abaddon or I'm going to go to the Rex Club or something, uh-huh. you kind of know these yeah. rooms already. So right. you don't have to think much about it or, or check it out. But then, like, a lot of time in Italy, because there's so many series of parties and one-off things, you don't know what you're getting yourself into sometimes. Uh, not even now that it means on, like, a professionalism standpoint, but just, like, what kind of vibe are right. they going for? Yeah. And so I'm always doing the research, too. But the problem I find is that uh, the tastes are really random sometimes. And so you really don't know. And I don't, um, like, I can't think of any, like, exact situation offhand but let's just say like uh let's say i'm going to italy this weekend i'm not and the promoter had last gig was marcus sukit uh-huh. the one before that was monica cruza uh-huh. the one before that was a drum code guy and then before that was ben clock or something you're like whoa i don't like where <laughs> right. but th- that thing does happen because people Hell yeah There's but i'm in a way i dig that because it's like we like everything but then you're like, well, where do I fit in? Because yeah. I can, I'm a guy that can play a variety of things. In the end, I just kind of do whatever I do anyway. But I, I like to know uh, what's going on, what the rooms yeah, like, I or do too. Uh, you know, the artwork or the flyer and stuff. Yep. But um, yeah, I mean, it's so. That being said, with you, when you when you do kind of know which direction you're going on, like you you say you go with the mood with the crowd, but. In general, is there kind of a, a wavelength that you're riding at the moment? Like, are you like I saw you at Panorama Bar doing the closing what a month ago, something like that? Yeah, yeah. My birthday. Oh, oh that's right. My fortieth crazy party. I, I was having a good time. I didn't come, I didn't say hello because it's just sometimes yeah, when I, you go up to that booth, it's a pain in the ass. Yeah. But it was pretty pumping actually, and I've noticed that room is getting a lot more tougher lately. Yeah. And uh, I mean. Are you more on the tougher side, supporting the fabric mix, or is it still all over? Or? No, I think it's all over. I think I always play pretty, pretty pumping anyway. Mm-hmm. I think I play like the the houseier end of techno, and maybe like the more te- techno end of yeah, house. Yeah, I uh, think. I mean, yeah, I think that I, it always has to have like a 
pretty good kick, pretty good baseline for me. I'm usually I usually always play at 127 or a little more. It's always got to be for me. It's always got to be going a little bit. Gotcha. I mean, I'm 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 kind of the same way. Like, there's a couple people like will give me shit online. Like, if I say I put out a deeper mix and they're like deeper mix, I'm like, this is still fucking pumping. This is hard as balls. And I'm like, well, I mean, it's definitely a uh, kind of got a little oomph to it in the low end, but uh, it's not like it's uh, this hard yeah. as nails mix. It's just right. keeps, gets the heart going a little bit, right. and uh, that's what I like too. So. Yeah. Um, but so. Let's see here. The the other part of it is though is like uh I know in the past when you, I remember I don't know if you told me about it or as an interview or what, but back in your tractor days you were like very I don't want to say analytical, but you had a process of how you organize stuff. Uh-huh. Somebody wrote in like how is it that you organize your you know, how do you organize it now? How do you compile tracks for a fabric mix? Like what what's your thought process or your well, um, we talked about it a little bit. I didn't want to cover the same ground that I covered with the the panorama one, so I knew I didn't want to do a big ambient intro. I just wanted it to mm-hmm. kick right in. And with the panorama one, the BPMs really fluctuated, and I knew this one I wanted. I play both rooms at Fabric, but for some reason, I had room two in, mainly in my head at Fabric when I did this mix. Mm-hmm. I knew I wanted to stay. I wanted it to be a little bit faster, like 129 is right on the edge, you know, especially for something you're listening to at home. Yeah. But I wanted to kind of challenge people with that. So I knew I wanted it 129 the whole way through, start right off. And I really, it wasn't that big of a deal to pick the tracks. I um, started it off maybe a little bit more on the housey end, and then... um, Went into more techno. I always liked, if you notice about the Fabric one or the Panorama one, kind of right in the middle of the mix, I take a break. Like I put um, a a Vincent Newth track in the Panorama one right in the middle, kind of. Yeah, it's kind of chunkier though, right? No, that's that's the one one in the beginning, I think. Right, that's on the Fabric one. In the Panorama one, I put a Vincent Newth track too. That's right. I mix them up. That's all right. (laughs) Uh, That's beatless. And I really liked that when I did that. So I did the same thing on the fabric mix. I put a um, Anna. I can't remember her name. Anna something. But it's oh, with Donato, right? Yeah. And I put that. And I really like how that breaks a mix up and like kind of people go gives you a breather. Yeah. yeah, I actually open with that in Italy all the time uh, when yeah. it first came okay. out. And of course, it's amazing. They, you know, they're like, oh, you know, yeah. But uh, yeah, so I, it wasn't that hard of a process, really. Um, I basically just went through all my. I wanted it to be more with the panorama one. I was I kind of like uh, really dug old stuff, mm-hmm. dug back. I wanted this one to be more not brand new because if you just put promos in in two or three weeks, maybe you don't like them. It had to sure. be stuff that I was playing, but I wanted it more more new and modern. So I just went through the stuff that I had been playing. I also didn't want with the panorama one. I put a lot of um, not big names, but more known names sure and i had a lot of stuff recently like from zippo or the 3kz stuff i wanted to showcase that stuff because it's so good and maybe people have missed that stuff so there's i've zach's on there rob hood's on there james ruskin 
But besides that, if there's not a lot of there's a lot of newer guys. Yeah, like, there's not a lot of big names on it. Um, what's the the locked groove sings? That's like some old school yeah subspace. Throwback. Yeah. yeah, that's subspace. Yeah, the, I guess they're well known. But I wanted to show like more. But I mean, of, that's obscure by today's standards. Yeah. You know? So, yeah. so it was. Pretty easy this time because I had just done, like you said, in 2014, I had done a mix and I wanted it to be very different from that. So it's kind of the the other side of the coin to the panorama. Well, I don't want to say that. It makes it sound like it's related to the panorama. Well, it's not. It's 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 the it's a techno mix of mine and yeah. more modern, uh, faster, jumps right in. If you listen to the two together... You can, in my opinion, you can definitely tell it's the same DJ behind the mix. I hope so. Behind the behind the decks, but uh, they're definitely very different, despite yeah. having a similar sound set. And uh, I mean, I didn't, I haven't listened to them back to back. In fact, I just listened to the one this morning, the Fabric one. I haven't like, listened to back to back. I mean, who like? I feel like you know that would be like a good natural transition, yeah, like maybe. you know, one before or after, and uh, it works out all right. So. Maybe I haven't tried it. Maybe I should have tried it before. I that's a good idea. Maybe I'll try it later. But I mean, th- that's the thing. Like a lot of a lot of DJs uh, also don't. They haven't been able to kind of find their their sound that makes them the DJ that they are. Yeah. Or you know what I mean? Like, there's a lot of guys that are like, "Well, why am I not getting booked?" And it's like, "Well, hey, you can put the beats together. It's not necessarily a bad mix, but uh, I can't tell you apart from this guy or that right. guy." And you, you know, you've kind of found your niche of yeah you but, know writing that fine line yeah the, um but there ha- and i i can see why but i there have been people in my i quote unquote career that have said hey you've got to pick one you know you've got to pick either house or techno because um and i i understand what they're saying like promoters need to and f- and fans listeners whatever it's it's easier to get bigger if you, if they can, I don't want to say put you in a box because that sounds negative, but if they can, if they can identify you quickly with a certain sound, you you can get bigger faster. You know, I've quite yeah, a few I mean, people that's... told me that, but I, and I always said, I can't do that. Yeah. So if I do that, they're going to, maybe they'll identify me with a certain sound, but they'll also see that I'm bored or totally. So I, so I Maybe my maybe now I'm known for house and techno. That's my thing, but for a long time, um, quite a few people said, "Hey, you got to pick one," and I said, "I'm not going to pick one because I can't." I no, I respect it. And I think if you want to talk about long term or longevity, yeah. I think that's the only way to go. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with picking a sound and like hammering that to bits. Right, if you you're know, at that time. but um, I I just I can't do that either, and I realize that by not doing that, it's kind of um, hindering me a little bit. I'm sure that if I, like for example, I've done plenty of output with drum code. I'm not doing so much of it anymore just because I don't identify with it as much as uh-huh. I did. Um, but I'm sure if I locked into that sound, I could have more opportunities from it or whatever style. You right, know what I mean? Right. But um, I'm not really looking at things for short term gains. Yeah, I want to. I want when people look back and be like, "Oh, okay, he's always been kind of." into this or that or you know what i mean and i think it's important and when you brought up we got to pick one it's kind of a bullshit sentiment because it's like you know uh glenn underground put it best he's like i don't know if he originated the quote but i heard it from him it's like if 
you don't know techno unless you know house. You don't know house right. unless you don't know techno. Right. And I think uh, one of the more contemporary people that's perfect for that is Mr. G. Right. You know, I mean, he's a guy that sometimes he does a house track. Sometimes he does techno. And sometimes it's so like you don't know what it is. It's right. perfectly on that right. line. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm, mostly in this show, it, it comes down to riding that fine line of house and techno because that's the taste I'm into. But it doesn't have to be that. It could be like, let's say, this post-punk sort of slash techno stuff like Silent Servant or right, something. Right. I always think the most interesting music you're going to be able to buy, whether it's hip-hop, rock, whatever, is something that rides a fine line that flirts with another genre or sound and nails it perfectly. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because like, it's much harder to describe. If you want to show up tomorrow and like give me another 909 drum track that's clearly a techno thing, that's not going to be as exciting as that techno track that flirts with, let's say, even trance, but sounds fucking fantastic. Right. You know what I mean? Yep. And um, I don't know. I, I, I really hate it when people say, well, what if you had to pick one? Right. I do, too. Have to, so. But um, I got, you know, I'm, I'm looking at some other questions that people sent me in here. Um, Hit me with it. We got we got some we got some good ones and of course some from the peanut gallery that are just stupid but we'll get to them because we're about an hour in here, um, and some of them just don't really word it rightly. But like one guy wants to know how to keep your songs exciting and interesting for the dance floor, and also how would you know if something's going to take off or if it's just a trend? I would say the first part of the question is maybe more. I mean. How do I keep my sets excited for people? Exciting? No, the, the songs themselves. I guess it's the maybe I'm... more of a production question. But like, well, okay, so let's let's look at it not just as a producer, but as a DJ. Like, uh-huh. what, in your opinion, what keeps it exciting or interesting? Because that, I guess, that is worth asking. And a lot yeah. of people are trying to make music. You know, you mean what keeps a track? Maybe maybe it's a song that I'm gonna. What keeps a song exciting or interesting? Yeah, like what makes it stand out? I mean, obviously, you could say a hook, but. Uh, yeah, the baseline for me. I, yeah. I've said it a million times, but I'm kind of a baseline. I'm a sucker for a good baseline. It doesn't matter what genre of music you're into. That's always going to yeah. be a, a driving force. Yeah, there's no, there's really no form. There's no one formula like the exciting formula. I would just have to hear it. I would know yeah. within two or three seconds of mm-hmm. hearing something, but I, I don't. I can't say. I know what keeps. Uh, keeps me excited about djing is is not it doesn't always have to be necessarily new stuff but new to me maybe it's a song mm-hmm. you know what i mean and it, i've noticed if i'm excited about playing it's a lot easier to get people excited sure you know Whether you got two new awesome tracks that week or whatever right so that's one of the, the most important things for me is i have to keep digging and changing up my sets because I want to play good on the weekends and I want people to enjoy it. And the way that I do that is by finding not, like I said, not always new, but new to me or maybe a new edit I've done or something to keep keep myself interested, you know? And there's still, even as hard as I work at it, there's still some times where I think, Oh man, I need 60 new tracks. (laughs) Totally. Or, or you download, you throw 60 tracks in a record box or 60 records into your record box. Right. And uh, yeah, yeah. there's still, like, you're scrolling through a list. You're like, fuck, dude. I don't, there's nothing I want to play. Yeah. But, um, so, I mean, that, that, that happens. I would say, like, right now, I definitely notice, um, 
I don't want to say banging or pumping or anything, but this very like linear vibe is coming back, not just to techno, but even to the groovier side of things where it's just kind of like this rolling, like keeping it going. I don't know if it's the parties or like the yeah. booze or the drugs that people are taking. I'm not sure, but While like making music. Yeah. You know, like I notice. <laughs> you know, like for me, I've always, if you listen back to my tracks from when I first started or my DJ mixes from 13, 14 years ago, like I've always really loved that hypnotic rolling, like tunnel vision kind of vibe. Uh-huh. And because that's something that's awesome in like three or four in the morning. It's right. just like you're locked into this hypnotizing groove. Some people like it exactly opposite. They want this more immediate, like in your face, lots of changes and edits. There's no right way or wrong way. Right. But I, I think with techno and with house right now, it's kind of popular to have this, uh, this groove that just locks you in. And I think people also like, let's say a radio slave, for example, have perfected this way of making a eight minute drum loop, sound exciting for right you know most of the time yeah and uh so i would say my short answer to that question is if you can have a loop and it sounds exciting after hearing it for six minutes or like something baby ford stuff yeah know? or like uh g-man's uh Cuvatus or something like exactly. that exactly if you if you like uh to me that's more exciting to hear a track like that than an anthem because just every time it comes on it's not annoying you're just like okay it's this groove that i can always get behind right you know, and uh, in my opinion, that's what keeps it interesting and exciting. The I think some of the um, it's always nice to get a reaction from a song, and a lot of songs that I I play, I know when that if it's going to happen. If the, if I'm going to get a reaction, I know when in the song. Uh, maybe an obvious part of the thing, but I think some of the the best moments are when you're playing like um, Matt Edwards or. Uh, um, an old baby Ford and there's not a lot happening, but then all of a sudden in the crowd, you just hear someone. Oh yeah. Someone, finally wow! takes, you yeah. know, and that, that, Oh, I smile so big when That's, that happens. Cause it wasn't a certain, nothing changed in the song, but just the, it finally the, the joy built up in someone so much that they finally had to let it out. I mean, I, I've, I've had that as a DJ. I've had that with my own tracks. Like I did this remix of Ray Kajioka on Konzoramt and, uh, you know, at the studio, it's, it sounded cool. And then I played it out the first couple times. And it takes really like two, two and a half minutes before it kicks in. And I, I kind of bring it in. And the floor is kind of dead. And I'm like, oh, fuck. And then as a DJ, you're like, I don't have anything really planned after this. So I got I to gotta <laughs> quick pick it up. And then so it kicks in. And then finally, like two and a half, three minutes in. It snaps for people, and they all go fucking insane. And you're like, "Oh yeah, cool, I got it." Like you know what I mean? They're locked into that groove, and then it becomes one of the biggest tracks of the night. Yeah. And whereas, like a minute before, you're shitting your pants, like, "I got to come up with something quick to play next." And on Monday, I got to go back to the studio because this ain't happening. But (laughs) it's it's nice to have that reassurance that you were right all along. (laughs) Yeah. Right. True. But uh, to answer the second part how do you know if something's going to take off or if it's just a trend? I, I guess it's crowd response. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. I don't, I don't know. I mean, uh, I'm not a, I'm not a scientist. I just get up there and do it. Exactly. Um, we covered how you organize your music and your sets. Um, we, in the last couple episodes ago, I think it was maybe with Cosmin TRG and Truncate. I don't quite remember. We were talking about opinions on rotary mixers uh-huh. and, uh, do you, do you have any opinions on that? Or? Yeah. I, <laughs> It always takes me half my set to get used to a rotary mixer. Mm-hmm. I will say once I'm used to it, it especially with house music, um, 
things kind of roll in and out mm-hmm. more gradual, easier. But I'm I'm a fader guy. I yeah, always have been. Here. So that that's the next part. The guy goes, okay, if if rotary is a no go, uh, is there something you'd recommend that's relatively affordable but an industry standard? I mean, ninety-two. I guess the zone ninety-two. If if you can't flip, what is it? Probably twelve hundred or something like that. Um, I don't really know. Yeah, I, you know, he can buy my old sixty-two from me. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I had a. I still have a DJM Pioneer six hundred. Uh, the black one? No, the silver one that came oh, out after God. the black one. It's really terrible. But I mean, like, I I just got a zone ninety-two. I want to say like two or three years ago. And that was the first nice mixer I bought in my entire career. Yeah. You know what I mean? I've always had shitty mixers. Yeah. So I would just say, um, if you're not having to bring it out to a bar yeah, it or a club, really matter. just, just whatever is like, cool, man. Yeah, for, for something that kind of looks like something maybe you'd be, you would play on in a in a club. Yeah. If you're not a big headphone mixers guy, uh, there's that gold three channel Vestax mixer. Oh yeah, that's really it's good. Two seventy five. That's a cool mixer. It is. It doesn't distort too badly. You can. I don't. Even, it's not new anymore, so you can't buy it. But use them. Yeah, you, you can can't be it. more than a couple hundred yeah. bucks or something. So, um, let's see here. Okay, this is. I got a question about remixing work. Uh-huh. It's you're not doing a ton of remixes, but you got some. This guy just wants to know, like, uh, how does it work and who approaches who? You know, is um, kind of that whole part of it. Um, let's kind of switch it in our, our category or in, in our terms here like so if if you're going to get a request for a remix uh-huh. what what do you look for when you're like okay this is a this is what I actually want to do um if i mainly it's if i like the song the label and the artist sure and if i have time but I'm, if it's something really that i really would like to do i make the time but yeah it's usually the I would say if I had to say one thing, it would be the label. Okay. Because that means a lot to me. Um, and and then the artist and the the song. Artist second. I guess if the song is good third, because it's not going to sound anything like the original anyway when I sprinkle my... Do your I, thing. Whatever remix dust on it. <laughs> uh, but yeah, those are the three things, I think. I hear you. I mean, I... Um... For me personally, I did a lot more remixes back in the day, and now I don't do it so much. I I did too. I did a, I did quite a few when I first. I think that a lot of people do that because I was just happy people were asking. I was excited about it. I had more time. Um, remixes are a great way to kind of cross pollinate. Yep. You know, like uh, if you're starting a label and you want to kind of get some notoriety. A great way to do it is to beg Ryan for a remix. Not right. skin, but you know what I mean? Like, yeah. uh, there is, it will help quicker if yeah. you get somebody that believes in what you're doing and is willing to help you. That being said, don't harass them for a remix. Right. But, um, and also, like, uh, you know, I did a lot of big remixes, and that helped my career yeah. immensely as well. Um, and some deals were more uh, lucrative than others, but it didn't matter. Yeah. It was just getting yourself out there. Right. That being said, for me these days, my number one um, criteria is like if I listen to track, is there something that I can actually use? Because yeah, the keep... reason that I don't really like remixing right now is that there's you know you get these tracks like now I have to use a part and I don't like any of them. Right. 
So if there's something like I immediately hear like this pad or this vocal or something I'm like, oh, I can do this. Yeah. That makes it a hell of a lot easier and me, I'm more likely to do it. But like you said, the label, that's, uh, but that's I, crucial too. I, yeah, I don't, let me specify. I don't mean it has to be a big label or a well-known label. I, I mean it needs to be a label that I that I like. You respect. That play. I respect. Maybe I've charted some of their stuff before. It doesn't have to be big at all. The remix fee, to be honest, they're never huge, right? Yeah. I don't do that stuff for... For money. For money. I make, you know, I make my living DJing. Um, it's, al- it's always about, yeah, whether I like the label, whether... I'm if you want to be stuff. associated with yeah, it. Yeah, right. And, um, I mean, the other part of it is, is like my biggest struggle. And a lot of times there's still friends that kind of hit me up from back in the day. And of course I try to help out whenever I can. But my biggest problem is even if there's a label that I like, I'm just like, I'm basically interested, but what, what's your game plan? And they're like, uh, well, you, you give me the remix and then I put it on Beatport and hopefully it sells. And it's like, well, Cool, but the thing is, I'm I'm willing to to put my time in and really try to make something special that helps get your label out there. Like you need to have some sort of game plan in mind. Like I want to do some promotion for this, or yeah. like uh, you know, I'm, you know what I mean. Like you do, you don't want your effort to go to waste. Right. Like if I if you ask me for a remix for a new label of yours or something, and you don't do anything to promote it, then I've wasted that time essentially. Right. And maybe it's a great remix. Exactly. You know what I mean? Yeah. And there's times in the past where I've had to re-release stuff cause it didn't get the promotion it deserved or whatever. And, uh, I think that's really important. Yeah. Not just for a label owner, but as, as the remixer. So. Yeah, I agree. So we've covered the remix. Part. Have a plan in place. Yeah. Um, you know, so would you rather have a 90s era internet speed on all devices for the rest of your life, or would you rather go to an island where one day a year you're hunted for sport a la the world's most dangerous game? Wait, I got the first, what's the second part? Go to an island and what? You got to have one, internet speeds from the 90s. We're talking like 28.8 or 56K. Or you live on an island where one day a year you get hunted. But I have normal internet? Uh, that wasn't really well, justified. <laughs> I'm guessing you're not going to worry about the internet that one day a year you're being hunted. But what I'm saying with the other 364. Oh, that's like 90s internet. That's dial-up modems. And what's the other alternative? I guess, uh, or you have regular internet like today, but one day a year you're going to get hunted on an island. Ah, okay. So it's, I either have my life like I have it now, but one day a year I get hunted on an island. Or for the rest of my, I'm 40, probably 40 more years. So the next 40 years, <laughs> you got I've dial got up nine, internet. Hunt me. <laughs> but here's the thing, though. I'm pretty fast. I was 40. just going to say, you're a runner, yeah, right? Yeah. So you're you going to work hunt, out yeah. all right. Me, and I own a lot of camouflage, so let's go. <laughs> <laughs> so he's going to be a hunter. Me, I'm going to be a hunted. Or hunted, yeah. I'm probably going to be hunted as well because I can't. Yeah. I, that, one of my pet peeves, I don't care. Actually, there's two things I care about. It's a, a clean room in the hotel rooms on the weekends yeah. and that it has internet that's fast. Like if the internet isn't working or like if you're staying in the hotel room that's the furthest oh, away that, from the modem, yeah. I flip the fuck out. I'm calling the front desk. I'm like, dude, I can't get on the internet. I don't have to do anything important. But I need it. I you know, know what I mean? exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise, my cell phone bill is two hundred bucks a right. month because I'm just looking at I don't know Instagram or some shit. But <laughs> I know. And it seems you always get those rooms down at the end of the hall. Where, oh, the reason it doesn't work, sir, is because you're in three hundred four, and that's at the end of the room, yeah. the end of the hall. You're like, well, well can I switch? Can I, yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. 
But um, I mean, we've been trucking along pretty well here, and uh, I think we're gonna start wrapping it up fairly soon. Okay. Uh, the Fabric CD that's out. It came out last week, right? Out fr- it came out last Friday. Yep. Okay. I, I they it came out. They they do that Fabric First thing. Mm-hmm. It came out. I think a couple weeks or maybe I don't think a, a whole month, but a couple weeks before that to them. But it's it's out now. Uh, iTunes the the physical CD. I guess am I don't know how the how this works. I've never bought music on Amazon, but I think I guess there's some sort of I don't know if they sell the CD on Amazon. I don't know. It's on it's Amazon. On Amazon. <laughs> Fair I'm enough. just gonna stop. <laughs> it's available on the internet it's, somewhere. Yes, it's out on the interwebs, so you can buy the actual CD. Uh, you know. Mix CDs, they make a great thing like on the floor of your car. Like uh-huh. remember back in the day, you I get do. in, they're just fucking broken cases everywhere yeah. and stuff. So either break the case on the floor or buy it digitally. Right. Exactly. Do not pirate it. Whatever you do. Right. You put a lot of time and money right. into this. People's pr- jobs are on the line. That's right. The thirty-minute promo mix. That's that's free, free and downloadable. You can put that phone. on your floor. Yeah. Um, and then you've got I think like twelve or thirteen dates this month. But do you know what's coming up in the next week or two? I'm excited to go to Budapest for the first time uh, in my almost 20 years of DJ, and I've never been to Hungary, so I go this this weekend there, and then uh, the next weekend. Hold on. Well, I one thing I do know is coming up that I'm really excited about is Sunfall Festival in London. I think it's new this year, but the lineup looks. I think even if I if I had an open day and I wasn't. Um, on the lineup, and I had a, a day to go. I would go see it because it's. I think it's a really good lineup. So I'm playing, um, playing that in two weeks. Oh, I know what next week is. I'm going to Fusion Festival for the first time. Never been. I to play, hang out or to play? No, to play. I, to, I play. I we go next Thursday night. I play next Friday morning, and I'm really awesome. excited. I'm not usually a big. I'm not a big fest. I, I like festivals. I don't like massive festivals. Fair enough. Like, um, I don't know. Maybe I'm going to make some enemies. I, I just couldn't see myself ever, if I wasn't playing, going to Glastonbury or something. It's just too, seems too daunting They're talking to about me. how that might be canceled this year. It's so bad with the oh, weather. Really? Yeah. But anyway, I, I play Fusion, so I'm going to go spend some... I'm not spending days, but I'm spending, I think, eight hours or so before I play. I'm actually lo- really looking forward to that. It's supposed to be... A, an interesting, a lot one. of fun. Yeah, yeah, I have to. Nice. And uh, so that those are a couple of dates coming up. Uh, the rest of the dates, I'll try and get them posted on the site or something. Yeah. There's a bunch coming up. I think you got all over Europe. Maybe yeah. what DC ten or something like that. Yeah, or? DC ten, uh, Cocoon Ibiza, Cocoon Amnesia in Ibiza. Um, yeah, I'm in, I'm in Ibiza quite a bit this summer. And, um, what do you think of that? I mean, obviously you have to say you like it. That's yeah, part no, of the business. I, but if, are, but you in, honestly, are you into it? I wouldn't. I would. I don't need to play it if I didn't like it. Uh, I love. I, I really like playing there. I understand if people. I understand why people don't want to go. Sure. But it, for me to play there, it's great. I like going for a couple of days at a time. I wouldn't. I would never spend the whole summer there. Um, I wouldn't even spend a few weeks there in a row. But to to pop in and pop out and play these. These great parties. I love going. I think it's great for a week, especially if yeah. you stay on the north side of the yeah, island. Yeah, my girlfriend and I did that last year. It was super nice. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I like Ibiza. You know, that's uh, <laughs> because I, I've been having some shots this episode. Uh, <laughs> I forgot half my questions, and someone asked, like, what 
you know, where your favorite places are to play are right now is, would you say that's one of them or do you have others in Europe or the States or whatever? Or? Um, in Europe? Well, we already talked about the school. Obviously, Panorama Bergheim is my favorite, not sure. just because I have to say that. It's, it's home every, in a way. It's home. It's, it's amazing. The school was amazing uh, last weekend. I, I've always loved Robert Johnson. Um, really like that one. Uh, Flash in D.C. I had a really excellent show at end of last year. Um, Movement Festival in Detroit's always one that kind of, I mean, maybe I'm biased for that, but yeah, the Fabric in the U.K. There's a lot of good clubs out there now. Yeah. Yeah. You know, they de- everybody's stepped it up, just like they got a function one, boy, yeah. whatever sound system, like, uh, you know, some of these guys that you talk to that have been in it for way longer than us, they're like, dude, you're lucky. We yeah. never had this shit right. going on when we were younger. We were, you know, you're chasing down people at the end of the night to get paid, and you didn't right. know what the sound was going to be and whatnot. Right. And so, uh, and then the other question before we start wrapping up, I forgot about is because you're a big selector and um you did some a and stuff in the past do you ever see your own label in the future 100 percent. yeah yeah i i've uh i think um a lot of people they're so quick to do things in this industry yeah i get it but i also think sometimes when you wait a little bit it means more like if i would if i would have started one uh, three years ago, I don't think it would have meant as much as if I when I if I started one now or if I start one in a year. I personally need to get. I've got the mixes out of the way. I want to get a few more um, original production things checked off the box, and then I can really devote my time to it. But a hundred percent, I'll start a label. Excellent. Yeah, I mean, I I think that's a not, good way to do not it. Not this year, maybe not next year, but eventually. But still, yep. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I, th- I think like uh, I've kind of changed my sense. You know, these days a lot of people have actually decided not to do podcasts for very honest and reasonable reasons. But they're like, let's be honest, a lot of times they don't want to do it because there's this certain ego that's involved, whether it's like they don't feel they can live up to the expectations that they have. Or when it does drop, they want it to be like the internet to stop for a day, like yeah. so-and-so released a mix. <laughs> I mean, that's the reality when it comes down I to know. it. And listen, I mean, we all kind of want that a little bit. It's nice to have that kind of satisfaction. And um, I, I did a bunch in the past, and the reason I stopped doing a bunch is just because I didn't have the turntables or the time yeah. or anything. And now I, I forced myself to buy the CDJs that are sitting in the corner over there. And uh, I got one about a month, one of the new ones. Yeah. I, I don't have three. I've, I've got one just so I can figure out all the little. I don't even use the little well, things. These, but, these aren't the 2000s, okay. but uh, well, they're, mean, they're still yeah. super functional. Yeah. And um, so, you know, I've, I, I've decided, like, listen, I have no problem with putting out records, but I don't, I no longer want to be the guy that puts out records solely to get gigs. Yeah. I mean, I never did that in the past, but growing up that's part of it right and now i'm just like i'm i think i'm gonna focus more on just putting mixes out uh-huh. and uh letting people judge the, D, the dj and for djing and then i'm still gonna put out records more often than i used to but i don't really give a shit if those determine my bookings future you know right. what i mean so i think the the dj mixes thing is a great great avenue <laughs> for you and that gives you a little bit more freedom in the production realm as well yeah you know? i also recently um I bought a little uh, 
a little Tascam recorder. Oh yeah, and I've, they're they're great. I've been taking it around, and the quality, you know, you just send it like through, maybe like the mix two if you're using yeah. the zone, like you, the mix two out. Yep. Check the level, and I've been recording a lot of sets that way. Sometimes, you know, it's always sometimes you play and you think, "Wow, that was good." And then you listen to the recording, and you're like, "Of course." Ugh. But sometimes you get some good ones. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna let the fabric mix breathe a little bit, but I want to put more, um, more of the live sets, not live, live DJ sets. I want to, I want to get a few sure. more up on my SoundCloud page because people appreciate that. They really, you give them a track list or something, and in a live environment people really because a lot of people you know you play maybe 10 12 times a month in front of lots of people but a lot of people that really like you maybe they don't never get get to see yeah or maybe once a year or something so they they want to they want to see some they want to hear some more about what you're doing that's the other part of the podcast thing is it's like you know there's a lot of people on the show that uh were fans of you and they they hear you now or maybe they're brand new fans of you after hearing this or checking out your fabric cd but um maybe they live in Japan or South America yeah. or somewhere you never go and they're never going to get to hear you live. It's like, I have no problem with putting something out so those people get to dig it. You know right. what I'm saying? Like, I know that the reality of them getting to come and see me in Italy or Berlin or whatever is basically zero, you know? So yeah. uh, it's good to, to consider those people. Yeah. You know what I mean? I don't need to, to have this ego that doesn't right. allow them to see me. You you have to come to Germany. That's bullshit. Right. In no, my yeah, opinion. Right. So, A lot of people can't afford it or... Or yeah. don't want to, or you know, whatever. Yeah. Anyway, uh, let's wrap it up here. I really appreciate you coming by. I had a lot of fun. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Thank you for coming over. And um, so we've already mentioned that. Uh, you got any remixes or anything coming up or no? Uh, I'm working on one that I can't talk about right now. And then after that, I'm going to um, start working on um, more original material. Excellent. So stay on the lookout for that. that Check out very, very, ominous, very, very ominous. And vague, yes, wasn't it? if you need something to refer to, he did the, what is it? The, uh, what compilation is it? Zen or what year are you guys on now for Berghain? Yeah, the, on the ten year comp, I did a I did a okay. track on there. Uh, yeah. Smith Lake, it's called. I'm actually pr- really proud of that one. Yeah, that's the most recent original production. I you know what? There. You know what remix I was playing in yours a bunch is the one for Top Hat and Art Elfie. Yeah, I, I mean that, it's almost like garage. It is, type yeah, or something. But like I always play that at like the Panther Room or something. Yeah, and it goes that over. was one of those. Like I said earlier, it takes me. I'm a pretty slow producer. That happened in like a day, maybe maybe even a half a day. It just like you, I got the right sample from the remix or something. Something happened. I looped something and. And I nice. got it. So that was that awesome. was almost painless, that one. Awesome. Well, it worked <laughs> out well. You could tell you were feeling it there. Yeah. All right, man. Have a good one. You too. Bye-bye. Bye.